and welcome to the fifth episode of The Social Balcony. I'm Gesa and today I have with me Teresa and Rosa. And the topic for today is the healthcare system of the Nordic countries. And uh, maybe some of you have already heard of the healthcare system as the this perfect Nordic welfare state and like rooted in a welfare state. And today we're going to take a bit of a closer look. So for today's episode, I'm going to be more the host, as Teresa and Rosa did uh, basically all the research for this episode. So I'm very excited to explore the topic together with you guys. And maybe to have a nice start into the episode, as all of us have lived or are currently living in the Nordic countries, we have also all experienced the uh, Nordic healthcare system. Uh, Teresa, maybe you can share a bit about your experiences as you move from <laughs> Germany to Sweden, so you have like a direct comparison. Yes. So I think both countries have quite a good public healthcare system, at least compared to uh, non-European countries. And I mean, for me, the biggest difference was the Wortzentralen system here, that you don't have your private family care doctor, but a public care system, which I personally, at least it's idea, really like, because you always know who to contact if you have issues. Uh, it's a wide range from if you have back problems to a cold, need some gynecologist or even psychological help so it, it's it's really nice as a system and I really enjoy it and also I mean that you just get booked random appointments if you have some checkups and they just send you a letter and you don't even have to do anything for it it's great um so yeah there are also problems like during the COVID pandemic and stuff but um I think we will keep COVID for this episode a little bit out because it's such a big topic and I think could be an episode for after the pandemic ended <laughs> how about you rosa well yeah so i don't have much comparison because uh, i've only lived in sweden and finland which both have kind of similar healthcare systems but i definitely have seen the benefits of receiving universal care and for example i was so surprised that in sweden you receive free dental like what is it dental care. yeah free dental care uh, under the age of 23 so i was definitely happy to <laughs> utilize that while living in Malmö. <laughs> yeah, I can also just emphasize what Teresa said, that it's nice to always know who to contact and there's one place for everything. Like I, I know from Germany that you always have to go to five different doctors. You are lucky if they have an appointment and like every doctor has like their specific area. And in Sweden, you just go to the voice central and then they will transfer you to the correct doctor. And it's, um, it's maybe a bit more convenient. Yeah. Especially if you don't like to talk to people on the phone. Um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like this is our personal experience, but um, maybe it would be interesting to hear more about how the whole system is uh, built and uh, so on and their development of the system. Yes, I can start. I looked a little bit into it and I think the Nordic healthcare system is also something in like literature or something which is kind of a similar setup within all Nordic countries, all have universal healthcare based on equity and rooted on fundamental values. For example, primary and preventive healthcare, then taxation based, equity and equality, 
that everyone receives healthcare no matter like it's not really like in the US for example that there's mostly private insurance but like you are covered by citizens insurance so if you live in the Nordic countries you automatically have access to the standard public healthcare system and I think that's something which is really a great point <laughs> just to emphasize that before I was lighter on going into into depth with some criticism but I think just this general value-based um, healthcare system is great and because but also because it's taxation based they also try to have it uh, productive and efficient and through that also decentralize the system a lot meaning that the counties and the cities are mainly responsible for the healthcare system except in Norway but we are not digging too deep into Norway so <laughs> in Sweden and also in Finland that's definitely the case. So, yeah, definitely Finland has a decentralized system as well, but we actually have a change in our system right now. We have first ever election of these new healthcare regimes that are going to be taking the responsibility from counties to these larger regions that are going to guidance and decide on healthcare related issues. Because right now the issues, for example, are uh, huge regional differences because well, Finland is a, uh, how do I say it? Big country with little people. <laughs> yes, big country. Big country <laughs> with few people living very far and distant. So, for example, those uh, countryside muni- uh, counties are struggling to provide the necessary healthcare services. So that's why they are now uh, centralizing it a bit. So it's not as shattered as it is now. But so they are also doing that, I guess, to kind of tackle issues that we can see in all Nordic countries, right? For example, that there's budgetary pressure, that the population is generally getting older and older. And that's why, I mean, older people, of course, need more healthcare than younger people, usually. Uh, and also lifestyle changes or, for example, waiting times are a big issue. I guess that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, definitely. Because as for now, like Finland is one of the most rapidly rapidly aging societies, as other Nordic countries also are. This definitely is an issue because we have a shortage of available professional personnel. So we don't have enough working people. Over the next 10 years, a large number of uh, county healthcare pr- personnel will retire. So at worst, the percentage of in the regions will be like 40% of the personnel is going to retire. And wow. they are obviously also going to be the older people who are in the need of care. <laughs> and this is especially a problem in yeah. uh, countryside because they have a harder time to get employees because, you know, no one wants to move in the east, eastern Finland somewhere in the middle of nowhere if you have the chance to work in Helsinki, for example. So regional differences are showing already and they will only increase uh, as the population ages. 40, 40% of uh, um, healthcare workers, right? Did you, did you say? That's like a huge number. And then also imagining that they are going to be like in the aging population, so they will have to be taken care of. That's a bit shocking to hear these numbers. But I think like that's an issue that most uh, Nordic and also most countries of the global north face that the population is aging um yeah and yeah so it would be interesting to see how sweden and finland or the nordic countries how how are they reacting how do they want to change the healthcare system or how do they want to adopt you want to start with finland (laughs) yeah 
so definitely this is a big discussion, especially now when there is election going on and debates. How are we going to solve this problem? Because the right-wing parties obviously want to increase privatization and they see that as a solution of uh, responding to the changing care needs. Uh, however, that doesn't really solve the problem of getting people. So what Sweden did, I think, in Sweden, we don't have that discussion of restructuring the healthcare system at the moment too much anymore because it already went through quite drastic uh, reforms in the early 2000s and also 90s. Uh, and I think it was a similar development that we see in many Nordic countries and also European countries. But Sweden was one of the Nordic countries which privatized the most the healthcare system. Um, and this was kind of based on this whole, you know, during the 1990s, we had a lot of thoughts about like, oh, private industries are much better in solving our problems because they have to respond to the market. They are more efficient and that's how we can save money. Um, also, as we can see in a lot of places and also as we have discussed in further, uh, previous episodes this is not always the case so Sweden is trying to get this whole competition a little bit down and further cooperation but I think one of the biggest difference was as I already mentioned these public uh, central healthcare systems they have been a lot privatized but publicly funded and with that also came that you could choose your healthcare system now because previously you were just assigned to one and that was yours but now you can choose so there's more competition and they have to provide you with the best healthcare in order for you to stay there um that's that's how they approach it like really broadly now defined yeah but hasn't that also created or increased the regional differences in a sense that uh the more like more care is centralized to the urban or more welfare areas yes definitely and that's also what is currently showing in finland that's also happening and because sweden as you mentioned started the trend of privatizing healthcare in the 90s and finland followed sweden as always so (laughs) you can definitely see the change for example for profit long-term care yeah for example for elderly is now heavily uh, privatized and only like 20 percent is publicly funded or because as you mentioned in the beginning nordic healthcare is based on universal universal equity so when you make healthcare profitable business that definitely creates problems even though it can be seen as efficient yeah it might be that it's like more uh, budget friendly for the state or at least that's the idea but this, I think this will also be what this episode is mostly about. Uh, if private healthcare providers can actually pull up to the values of the Nordic countries and their goal to achieve equity and universal healthcare for everyone. Because, for example, as I just said, with, with the possibility of choosing your healthcare providers, we can see that there's a, or like there's, there is discrimination against uh, doctors which are not white. So, like, if, for example, if you don't have uh, a Swedish last name, it's often that people are less likely to choose you as the healthcare provider because they have racist stereotypes against you. I think that you don't have the same education as Swedish doctors would have, even though you are often also educated in Sweden and you were even born here and stuff. So, so there are definitely issues with that. And I mean, the same thing is in Sweden as also in Finland, that the urban areas are much better, they are better equipped than the rural areas. 
And I think that's also at the moment a huge discussion in Finland, right? If you want if you want to see Sweden as the role model. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And also um, it's Finland and Sweden have quite similar systems with the public and private, but Finland also has a third sector 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 of healthcare, which is occupational healthcare, which is uh, employers are mandated by law to provide minimum healthcare to their workers. Mm-hmm. So and this is usually occupational healthcare is usually bought by the business owners from a private care. So uh, and most of the working population, like over 85 mm-hmm. percent, are covered by occupational health care, which okay. which has created health in- inequalities between the wor- working population and people who are unemployed or, for example, mm-hmm. retired or not in work life. Because uh, people with occupational health care have access to private health care because occupational health care is uh, has more resources. You get access to it more quickly because, for example, public Public health care has a strong gatekeeping, even though we have a good universal public health care. It's still like the need for care is strictly screened and waiting times for non-urgent patients are so, so long. So when you are employed and you have access to occupational health care, you are more likely to receive the health care that you need. And therefore, you can also see how socioeconomic differences influence the health inequalities in Finland and probably everywhere in other countries. But this occupational health care is, uh, mm-hmm. it's unique to Finland. Yeah, we, we don't have that in Sweden. But do you go to the same doctors if you are covered by occupational insurance or by the public? Or do you have different health cases, like centers for that? Yeah, the uh, occupational health care is private sector. So you go to private doctors not to the board central and all public healthcare center. Oh, okay. So yeah. Wow. But but does every employee have this occupational healthcare? Like it doesn't matter what kind of uh, job you're working at, or is it also there like uh, economic inequality? Well, that's a good question actually, because yeah. you know that it, there's a minimum. It's required by law mm. to provide a minimum access to healthcare, but some employers don't mm-hmm. provide. Uh, occupational healthcare that they say that you need to you can use public healthcare because it's mm-hmm. it, it's there because yeah. for example when I've worked as a barista I've never had occupational healthcare but people with uh, mm-hmm. for example white collar jobs they always have occupational healthcare so definitely uh, okay. there's a difference but still if you think it's like over eighty five percent of uh, workers that have occupational healthcare so it's it's mm-hmm. a high statistic still. That's that's really interesting. I didn't didn't know. It it sounds quite similar to the German system in a way. Um just that we go to the same doctors. You as a public one just have to wait way longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and waiting waiting times are also an issue in Sweden, right? Like in all, all Yeah, the they they are they are trying to get better in it at the moment. They have this they basically have a rule of like 1930s 31 or some not 100% of sure of the numbers but they are having now in the law that there's only a specific amount of time that you are that you should wait until you can see a prefer I think for general healthcare it's like less than a week then for profession or like more specialized stuff it's like 30 days um and so on um mm-hmm. they're trying to work on it but it's it's not that it's 
great. What I really like in Sweden is the midwife system and also the nurses system. Mm-hmm. Like nurses in Sweden have way more um, allowance or responsibilities than in other countries. So, for example, they are seeing the per- mm. patient first and then refer you to the doctor if needed. And that way they try to shorten the waiting times. And the same with midwives. They also have mm. way more responsibilities. I think for us, it's like, oh, they deliver the babies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but here in Sweden, they are also <laughs> responsible, for example, for contraception. If you go for the HPV, HPV sampling, they will also do it. Um, so they are also taking a lot of weight away from the gynecologists. I think that's how they're trying to do it. If it's always working is the other question. Yeah, and also like what I was just thinking, like it's an issue that they have these long waiting times, but it just means that the system, like the system itself is not bad, it's just overwhelmed, right? Because as we said, there is the aging population, there is more needs for medical care and the system is just not ready for it yet. And uh, so these waiting times could be a symptom also of just that. Um, yeah, but it's good to hear that they're trying to fix it and it's a nice way to give more power maybe to nurse and midwives and yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's a more equ- not not so hierarchical system. I think if you look at other European countries, um, the doctor is always the one you want to see and uh, it's the person which is giving you the best health care. And I think this way you get away of this hierarchical thinking of the doctor Um but can also take other occupations within which have the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Finland also does the same. Nurses do a lot here, and also you usually get a nurse's consult before you actually see a doctor. Um, And that's also because Finland has fewer doctors than in average in EU countries, but we have the highest number of nurses, which surprised me. So we have the highest ratio of nurses in all EU countries. So I think definitely dividing... Uh, the responsibilities or some care needs to not only doctor to doctors but also the other personnel is way to reduce the shortage of personnel. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there are also now other ideas on how to do that. And one I found quite controversial, which is why I wanted to talk about it. It's basically of how to digitalize the healthcare system more. And there are now a lot of private companies doing that. They are also profit seeking, and one of them is. <laughs> they are also now um, operating in Norway and in Germany, I think. And I'm not sure exactly on how to pronounce their name because it's differently pronounced all over the internet. Um, <laughs> but let's just say with Krü because I think it's the easiest. Uh, but yeah, it's basically a normal company. And what they wanted to do, they also really have the startup vibe. So their founder, Fredrik Jung Abu, already founded several startups and this whole idea was kind of to build the next uh, Spotify for the healthcare system. And by that he meant like changing the conditions on how we see healthcare. Um, And in the beginning they were a really small player. They started in 2014 and did a lot of private healthcare on um, like basically that you have an online consultation then. So if you want to see a doctor, you do it over the phone. Same with um, if you want to see a psychologist and so on, you also do it over the phone. But because it was private, you had to pay for it. And private insurance is not a big thing in Sweden. And that's why they didn't really have a lot of customers and patients. But they kind of got to know this whole out-of-county benefit, um, which meant that, for example... If I go now to the doctor in Stockholm because I'm in holidays there and I broke my arm, 
they receive way more money from my region here in Skåne because I'm out of my county and out of my ward central, like private he um, healthcare system. And they kind of found out this loophole on how to do that. So they made immense monies, money with like, <laughs> so they turned, like they went to Yuen Chaping uh, and signed an agreement there with the county and put their platform up there. So for each visitor who did not live in the region of Yuen Chaping, but used the app, they got this out of county money and that also meant that they got like up to 2000 Swedish kroner so 200 euros instead of 20 euros which you normally get per patient visit visit which was a insane amount but that's how they could grow their company and since 2019 this whole thing of like out of county expensive they kind of changed that because they realized that it's a big loophole for a digital healthcare providers, but cry, uh, cry <laughs> does it really often that they find these loopholes. Um, and that's also why now they have to provide in the regions where they are also having online consultations, they also must have physical places where you can sign up to. And mm -hmm. I mean, this whole thing, of course, of digitalizing private healthcare, it's a great thing in one way because you can have increasing proposals of distance meetings, which free up resources at the public healthcare center for patients that mm -hmm. actually need physical um, help and so on. Then they can also offer um, help in 30 different languages, which is amazing because, I mean, at wow. some centers, it's quite difficult to get like a translator with you or actually meet a doctor who might speak your language if it's not Swedish or English. Um, so that's a great positive side also that they do it, I think, 24 hours, like 24-7 basically. Um, and you can also see physical wow. care within 24 hours. That's kind of how they advertise the whole thing. For me, it's just it's uh, very hard to wrap my head around this idea of healthcare as a product because I'm also, all of us grew up in countries where healthcare is it's universal healthcare and it's public healthcare and you know that you will get you will get healthcare if you are a citizen of the, that country and you don't have necessarily you don't have to pay or not high amounts and then to have a company that has patients that are also customers and that they make profit of this it's just really uh, weird for me sometimes to hear and also very surprising how much money uh, this kind of company can make uh, through these loopholes yeah you mean that Cre received money do is it also substitute with like public funding do they receive something from the public health care yes exactly yeah. so this loophole was like the public healthcare system basically so it was taxation money and also it, it has all to do with this whole private but public funded idea that we have in Sweden so that you have private providers but they get the money from from the public healthcare system so basically the the state is paying the company for providing you with healthcare um but this is whole the whole problem with this I feel like because uh, I, I got quite into the debate because it's also quite a big debate currently in Sweden uh, with this company because they are so good in finding these loopholes. If you read a little bit into it, it's so <laughs> insane. So, for example, because if you are a small company providing healthcare, then you get 50% more than the average centers so that you can 
actually establish your services um, so that you can also provide healthcare to a little amount of patients because you get paid per patient and that way you can build up your bigger community or like customer base and that way you can provide better healthcare and and that's up to I think 4,000 patients or in the first year of doing so. Cru, however, is already the biggest private healthcare provider in Europe. <laughs> But because they just opened a new healthcare center in Stockholm, they receive for this healthcare system still the 50%, for example, even though oh, I would say they have wow. the budget of providing good healthcare. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and just like that. And, and this is like... One point of finding loopholes, okay, they are there, why not use them? I guess all private companies do that. But then we also have quite, sh I would call them shady uh, business practices. Because, for example, I also downloaded the app before this um, episode because I just wanted to see how it works. And as soon as I open the app, I have to log in with my bank ID, which is my national legitimization app. Um, here in Sweden, so that way I can legitimize, uh, legitimize, identify myself <laughs> to to companies that are also uh, state institutions that it's me using the uh, website at the moment. But because I read before <laughs> that in Stockholm they started this huge campaign of like, hey, use our app now, you get digital healthcare and so on. A lot of people signed up there. And when they signed up by using the bank ID, they also canceled their contract with their already used public healthcare center where they usually go to, that their contract was canceled and Cree became their healthcare provider. And they didn't really know about it until they might have contacted their ward central, so the center, their old center again, And they said, you're not in our system anymore because you signed up with them. And that way they got over 10,000 new patients within four weeks. Oh, wow. That's insane high, insanely yeah, high number. <laughs> yeah, and, and the problem is that they get paid per patient, right? So as soon as you sign up with them, they get an allowance mm. per patient, which is around 100 euros, that they get automatically just by you signing up to them. And that's also how they kind wow. of make the money because, I mean, who signs up for an app? It's not the old 80-year-old mm. woman with a heart condition, but it's me, a young person, which maybe sees the doctor once a year mm. if I get a mm. really bad cold infection or something. Um, so that's <laughs> how they make a lot of money with yeah. like kind of light, easy patients. And the other more traditional healthcare systems or care centers which are there, they are kind of stuck with the older patients, right? But they also just get the allowance of 100 euros mm -hmm. per year. So for them, it's way harder to actually now still finance these patients because mm. it's based on like a normal allowance. Um, at least that's the criticism that Kri received really badly um, in, in the public debate and also from doctors and nurses working for um, public or other private healthcare providers. Yeah, well, that sounds like a valid criticism because that system doesn't not sound <laughs> uh, like it doesn't make any uh, <laughs> sense to me as hearing it as an outsider. Because why is the, uh, you know, the allowance that they get, why it's not, why it's not tied to the care that they provide? Why it's only like everyone that signs mm. up that they get the money for? Yeah, I think the whole system behind that 
I think we are, we are here at the point again where policy is not matching up with yeah. new technology advancements. Um, and I mm. feel like it's also kind of a loophole they found yeah. because the idea behind this is that you always have an equal kind of population range going to one healthcare center, right? Uh, and this way, kind of the healthy patients help financing the not so healthy patients, which might have more demands. Um, and I think you also get additional mm. payments for procedures you're doing, but it's not that they always add up to the actual amount you put in with care. So that's yeah, this whole um, idea behind it. Um, but yeah, there were also like already posts, for example, on Facebook from Sarah Banegues, who said that they might actually have to close some um, services they are providing at their public health care center because they can just not finance it anymore because so many younger people uh, unregistered with them and mm. uh, signed up for CRU. Yeah, wow. that kind of sounds like dystopic to me because like <laughs> that's a good business yeah. tactic for them just to take the cream off the top, like the young, healthy people and just make profit and even receive like public funding and everything so yeah <laughs> good thing that you didn't sign up for it yourself <laughs> yeah because yeah. i think i i read now that at least in stockholm they now have to kind of put um an alert up that hey if you sign up here now you are actually changing your center but it's only i read it only for stockholm and not for malmö so i'm not sure if it's already here the same or if i would then actually sign up with them so unfortunately i could not try out the app for you guys because um i want to stay with my with my healthcare system uh, center and not not with Cree. but yeah it's super weird also if you see online their advertisement it's sometimes quite dubious like they said at one time hello preschool infection daycare diseases and autumnal onset and colds see a doctor within 30 minutes without leaving the house the question is do you really need to see a doctor for these diseases or is it also just another technique to kind of get people to sign up mm. for it because oh yeah i have a minor cold maybe i could just check one doctor here within 30 minutes and it's all done yeah difficult <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole other point is also the data they receive from their patients. I mean, mm. maybe it's me being German and always being a little bit critical of uh, where my data is stored, but <laughs> I don't want a private company to have all my medical records mm. or like and can use that later on to maybe yeah. create artificial intelligence on how to sort patients. Um, I don't know what possibilities are up there, but um, it's definitely an, a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in general, like if if it's also sessions and calls, they're online, and like it's so much easier to retrieve data yeah. from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I think maybe di like digitalization to some extent, it's a good idea. Like um, I don't know, if Rosa, if you're gonna say something about that because in Finland they're also currently yeah. digitalizing the medical records right like to some extent it's good maybe yes. to have it more available at certain uh, moments in time but like at the same time if it's too much it feels a yeah because like rapid digitalization is happening and I agree that data security is a big issue like two years ago in Finland this private uh, psychiatric psychologue 
uh, like this mental health care facility, which was private, uh, they actually had a data breach and so many thousands of people's uh, data and detailed descriptions of their therapy sessions were leaked online. So definitely, I think with uh, like private mm. sector, there needs to be like strict regulation and to see what kind of data uh, systems they operate. But yeah, uh, digi yes. digitalization mm. definitely is also happening in Finland and this, uh, especially, you know, to use in administrative level to make them more efficient yeah. and so mm -hmm. on. But uh, big issue right now is that digitalization is not guided on a national level whatsoever. So it depends on the county or the uh, private sector or like private company or whatever is providing the service to actually buy uh, the digital services and implement them, which has led to the fact that actually the systems are updating constantly, um, which is not very efficient because you need to educate the personal and personal all the time. And there have actually been studies that uh, mm. the healthcare professionals find it very demanding and actually slowing their work and taking time away from the patients when they have to learn new administrative uh, systems and constantly educate themselves. But I also guess that 40% of your medical staff is retiring within the next years. It's also an age where you're not the most advanced maybe in yeah. using digitalization and that might also add up to the problem again. Yeah, that's a, that's a very valid point, definitely. And also like uh, digitalization has regional differences and you can see that definitely it could be seen as a, like providing more uh, online services, could be seen as a, a way to decrease the regional differences and have more access to services in countryside. But yet again, the people who reside in countryside are the old people who do not know how to use the digital services or don't have access. So that really isn't solving the bigger issues. And I find it really weird that there's no national level like plan on how to uh, hmm. how to move to more digital healthcare. And it's also like not going to change with these elections for healthcare systems, right? Because that's also regional and on county level in Finland? Uh, yeah, no, because every uh, new uh, healthcare region can decide on, decide on themselves. Mm. However, we did have a national, what is it? National update on our overall like hospitals and so on, like patient security systems, which cost mm -hmm. like hundreds of millions of euros and it took forever to install. And it's awful, everyone <laughs> hates it. <laughs> it receives so much criticism, it's called apotti. And all the doctors hate it because it doesn't really provide the adequate information about the patient. When you open it, you can see like uh, patient visits from five years ago or something. And it's, it's, it's not working. And it actually came in force mm -hmm. just a couple of years ago and it's, it's awful. <laughs> so even with the national guidance, obviously there's going to be some mishaps while digitalizing, digitalizing uh, services or administrative duties. But this operative was definitely <laughs> uh, not, not a solution. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds quite <laughs> interesting. I think these are issues like we, we face <laughs> in a lot of countries, like also in Sweden or something. Mm -hmm. Also now during the COVID pandemic, it was always that 
because the regions are they have to plan basically the healthcare system um there are big differences here as well between the regions and i think also sometimes they just say that they don't have enough funding to get all the demands that they receive from the national board but also from the patients and the citizens that they can't really respond to them adequately just because the funding is missing or like there's no guidance from above so i think it's always a balance between decentralizing and centralizing mm. but i think it's it's basically what, or what we can take a little bit from this discussion is that public and universal healthcare is definitely a pro and we see a lot of good things coming out of there but we have to be maybe a little bit careful <laughs> about private providers and also their motivation and and also get informed and if you're living in sweden check out Kri before you sign up <laughs> <laughs> and also in case it's coming to to other countries just check out what these companies that offer healthcare are actually doing yes <laughs> yeah yeah but i think that wraps it up quite nicely and yeah i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode You can find us as usual on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And also on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And until next time. Hello. Hello.